Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNBR Buffs podcast presented by Green Mountain Dental Group. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, today we are talking about basically all the roster changes in the Pac-12. Um, going through all the guys who've declared for the draft, um, everybody who's in the transfer portal, and then just kind of like recapping what has changed since the end of the season because... Uh, there have been a lot of guys who've decided to declare. There have been a lot of guys who've transferred. Um, and we're going to start with a couple of uh, pretty big names from Colorado who will not be back next season most likely uh, in Will Sherman, the left tackle, and Jason Harris, the exciting um, outside linebacker who just played his true freshman season and didn't see the field. So um, we're going to start with the buff stuff, get into the rest of the conference. I'm pretty excited because I have a lot of thoughts on a lot of what's going on. But first, a shout out for our presenting sponsor here at the DMVR Buffs podcast, and that is Green Mountain Dental Group. If you guys haven't been taking care of your teeth during quarantine, first of all, like shame on you. But second, you should just go to Green Mountain Dental Group. It's so easy. It's it's super convenient, just 15 minutes away from downtown Denver and Lakewood. Um, they're, they're huge Colorado sports fans. It's a family-owned business. Um, and the best part is you will get a free Sonicare toothbrush if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. So check it out. The reviews are incredible. We've had people from DMVR go and uh, check it out, and they've said that they've had great experiences um so trust them trust your fellow dnvr listeners who switched to green mountain dental group and made that their like real dentist just whatever you call that like your primary dentist isn't that what people say about doctors i'm not really sure but uh spend some time there and your teeth will be happy about it okay um, so starting with the buff stuff, um, we haven't talked about this news too much. I, I guess we did talk about Tyler Lytle and entering the transfer portal. Um, no update there. Uh, he is still in the transfer portal and, um, we'll stay tuned to where he goes. Um, as we talked about last week, the buffs did land JT Shrout, the transfer quarterback from Tennessee. Um, he, he's a big arm and we're not going to spend too much time on this because we did like a full 10 minutes on JT Shrout and what he means last week. Go find that if you haven't listened yet. But basically with, with everything kind of up in the air, you know, Sam Neuer played really well all season, especially considering how little experience he had and all of the situational things that he had to deal with. But the truth is, he did not look all that great against Texas, and that definitely opens the door for a quarterback competition. Um, you know, he was second team 
all Pac-12. Uh, the Buffs haven't had a quarterback make second team or better all conference since 1996. I'm not sure if that means that there was like a third team all conference player back when they were in the like big 12 or any of that kind of stuff. I'm trying to remember all those conferences. I haven't thought about all that, but never mind. Uh, the, the point is great season from Sam Neuer, but with the way Brendan Lewis looked after uh, Sam kind of struggled, I think that the competition is open. And what JT Shrout really provides is just like, a little bit more insurance, one more option. Somebody who has some experience just throwing some long balls, he's going to put those on target, and I think that that really pushes guys in practice. You know, when Brendan and Sam might be missing a couple balls normally to see JT hit some deep ones, you know, it, it shows you what you need to do, and maybe you pull something from it too. Um, we'll pay attention to how this goes, of course, um, but as it stands right now, I would guess that Sam's job next year, again, like it will be up for grabs. Carl Durrell said as much. He said that basically every starting spot is always up for grabs, and uh, yeah, so that's what's going on, um, but I would handicap it. Sam Neuer, most likely, JT Shrout, least likely, um, with Brendan Lewis being a big wild card, as he has been for a while. So um, that's a quarterback situation. Um, also you'll remember defensive back, William Anglin. He was another freshman, um, from Ohio. One of Mel's guys, one of the lower rated recruits in last year's class. Um, but, uh, obviously like Mel grew up in Cleveland and spends a lot of time there and that's where Anglin's from. And so there were some relationships with coaches and stuff that helped bring him here. He's been in the portal for a while now, still hasn't gone anywhere. Um, but there is one new addition to the transfer portal. Like I mentioned earlier, Jason Harris, six foot seven, two hundred and twenty pound defensive end, um, didn't see the field defensively. I'm not sure if he played any special teams. No, he didn't. I don't think he played any special teams either, um, which is kind of a surprise. You know, we did expect him to take a little bit of time um, just because of the build. Like I said, six seven, two twenty. That's just not quite bulky enough, especially considering what the Buffs have been doing defensively, which is getting pretty physical. And You know, Carson Wells, as an edge rusher, he's, he's really good, but he isn't the linear body type, like the speed around the edge type of guy who bends and gets around. He's going to come right at you and kind of maul you. And that's what you see on the other side, too, with Jamar Montgomery um, or... Uh, Guy Thomas, who basically split reps across from Carson Wells last year. Um, and then between, too. So so I, I think he would have been just fine as a fit, Jason Harris. Um, you know, just the skill set, the talent, like that's a pro prospect. Probably a better pro prospect than college football prospect, in my opinion. Um, but still just incredibly talented, a potential to be a 10-11 sack guy, which is rare in college football. And when you lose one of those guys, it really hurts. Um, I wonder what the reason was. I'd, I'd be curious to hear why exactly he wants to leave. You know, His family's from Arizona. I think his brother plays at Arizona. I haven't seen if his brother's in the transfer portal, but we'll, we'll get there because I'm going to be checking on all that stuff while we go through this show. Um, but he could be trying to get back closer to his family. He might want to try to find a way to play with his brother because his brother could be transferring with the coaching change at Arizona. Um, so potential factors there. But also Carson Wells should be back next year um, as far as we know. Same with Jamar Montgomery, Guy Thomas. Um, and then also Joshka Gustav got reps at outside linebacker. He was basically the backup to Carson Wells while Jamar and Guy split the time on the other side. And Jason Harris was kind of left out. Um, 
wasn't looking like anything was going to change next year unless Jason took a big step forward, which I do think was very much on the table, especially if he's been putting on some weight um, because that, again, was kind of the missing piece. When you have that big front seven that's super physical and makes a lot of plays in the run game, putting in somebody who might be able to get pushed around just a little bit, that can change some things. And we don't know why exactly he wasn't playing, but that would be my best guess. Um, And... Definitely disappointing to see him go. The good news, I will say, is that, you know, this is just a a sign of the depth that Colorado has right now. Um, And good programs lose a lot of players to the transfer portal um, every year. Good players. And and that's because there are just too many players at each position. That's the problem you want to have. Now, when you just look at, like, the pure talent, is Jason Harris the guy you want to lose out of that room? Probably not. Um, But... Who, it's about how you produce in college football, and for some reason, he wasn't seeing the field. Um, so just kind of some something that I, I am pretty curious about, honestly. Um, but when you look again at that front seven, you still have holes at inside linebacker. Um, don't know whether Akil Jones will be back next year. If he is back, then the bus will have to fill one spot. Um if he's gone, obviously, they have to fill two starting inside linebacker spots. My thing is that I'm not sure. It, so let's say Akeel Jones comes back. I think that day one, first game of the season, he is probably Colorado's best inside linebacker. Um, and, and I'm not sure that it would be all that close unless somebody takes like a big step forward. You know, Quinn Perry, John Van Dees, any of those guys, Marvin Hamm, um, there's potential for one of them to be the like number one inside linebacker with Akeel Jones number two, but I'd be pretty confident saying Akeel Jones would be the best linebacker. The question to me though is, if say it's say it is Marvin Ham who starts next to him next year, by the end of the year is Marvin Ham better? I wouldn't be surprised that if that sort of just playing time and experience is enough to kind of change things around right there, um, and and if Akeel Jones doesn't come back. If you do start two of the three out of Van Deest, um, Quinn Perry, and Marvin Ham, are you better off at the end of the year than if you had a Keel Jones? I mean, obviously, like bringing a Keel off the bench would be a good option no matter what. But you know, if if the options are start him or not have him, there's a decent chance that those younger guys do progress to the point where they are your best options by the end of the season. Um, this was a tangent, but something that's been on my mind. Um, so we'll see what's happening there, obviously. And you have at least one hold inside linebacker. But with the outside linebackers kind of locked down, the defensive line, you have all sorts of options. You know, Janaz Jordan really came into his own this year. Um, and I'm really excited about that. Terrence Lang really came into his own this year. He took so many big steps forward. He matched his sack total pretty early in the year, I thought. Um I mean, was it the tackle for loss total? I'm not sure. I'm not totally up on all those stats right now. But um, it, it was a good year for Terrence Lang. He was consistently on the field, um, which is what you want to see. You know, I guess for the most part last year, he was pretty close to an every down offensive or defensive lineman. Um, still used more in pass rushing situations than just as a run defender, but he did take massive steps forward this year. Um, Mustafa, we still don't know about. Jalen Sami should be back um, with 
like I said, Janaz Jordan, and a bunch of those young guys who also played um, well this season. Guys like you know Lloyd Murray, um, Niam Rodman, uh, Justin Jackson got some reps out there too. So you look at your three defensive line spots, your two outside linebacker spots. And like I said, there isn't a whole lot of room for another player at outside linebacker. Um, There's certainly room for him, for Jason Harris to go steal one of those jobs from somebody else. And he had all the talent in the world, um, which means that he could have done it. But that's the type of gamble that you'd have to make if you were planning on staying at Colorado. There are other places, other places in the Pac-12 certainly, where if he just goes there, he is guaranteed to be the number three outside linebacker. And, and that means he's rotating in, and there's really nothing he has to worry about in terms of playing time, unless things go really poorly for him, which you just have to bank on that not happening if you're in his position. Um, so then when you throw in these defensive linemen, when you start to put together these pass rush packages – like assuming let's say they all come back when it's a pass rush down you want Carson Wells out there you you like to have Jamar Montgomery and Guy Thomas out there you you like to have Terrence Lang and Mustafa Johnson and Jalen Sami and Janaz Jordan all these guys um and you just have to choose a couple who aren't going to be out there and this year obviously it was Jason Harris and who knows if that changes next year um so those are just some of my thoughts I'm not sure why he decided to transfer but it's certainly big news also a sign that the Buffs have some depth uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, what's really missing, though, it's it just feels so difficult to watch a, a linebacker leave when you know you're losing Nate Landman. And when the inside linebackers struggled when he was not on the field. Um, so, yeah, and there really aren't any outside linebackers you could move inside. I mean... I don't want to say that like Carson Wells couldn't do it. He just what he's doing right now works so well that changing it seems like a bad idea. He's getting pressure from the edge. He's he's obviously spent a whole bunch of time working on like the technique of rushing the passer. Plus, like he's not bad in coverage. He's he's at, he's good in coverage for his position. You know, the the rare time where they drop him from the edge on that like I mean, when the base 3-4, he's rushing off the edge or they can drop him in coverage. When they drop him in coverage, he makes some plays. Um, I wonder if I can pull these stats up. Let's see. He's tackling coverage stats. So, first of all, this is kind of crazy to think about. But he was on the field for 364 snaps this season. Only 58 of them in coverage. But it feels like it's more because of the plays he made while he was in coverage. Um you know, he had the pass breakup, interception. Um, he was making plays, and and it's just it's the Von Miller thing. You know, you think back to the AFC Championship game, the year they won the Super Bowl, where he's like getting crazy pressure on Brady, and then I think it was like the third quarter they just drop him in coverage, and he just picks off a pass in the flat because Brady just assumes he's going to be flying at the quarterback, and that's what Wells is good at. I think if you put Carson like in a position where he's just covering consistently, it's not going to go all that well, but he can do it enough that there's that threat and that you don't know that he's just going after the quarterback. And while I do think that he would be like a good inside linebacker, it's just not the right fit. Um, and, and I think that he would probably be the best option to move inside out of any of the outside linebackers. Um, 
that's the big hole, though, right now. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Buffs are looking at grad transfers to patch or just any sort of transfer, I guess, now um, to patch that hole. Um, and then Will Sherman. Like I said, Will Sherman declared for the draft. Um, excited for him. And again, like when, when you do declare for the draft, you don't necessarily always go you know we saw it with katie nixon last year a junior who declared went through part of the process saw what the what the coaches the the gm said about him and decided to come back and that is very much on the table with will sherman he isn't somebody you look at you know it's not like visca last year where you knew that he was like a fringe first second round draft pick um Will, I'm not sure where he fits in. I am excited to talk to the rest of the draft podcast guys about it and go back and watch some more. Um, but at this point, I honestly don't have like a great read on where he would go. We'll come back to it. But if he were gone, honestly, I'm not too worried about it. Um, he he is incredibly valuable. Um, he was second team all Pac-12. He was disappointed he didn't get first. I think he probably should have gotten first team all Pac-12. Um but that's the type of player he is. He's he's right on that edge. He isn't your Penny Sewell, your Elijah Vera Tucker, um, Drew Dahlman, um, even like Walker Little who opted out. A- any of these really big name Pac-12 linemen, you know, he to me is still a, a step behind those guys. Again, I want to go back and just like stare him down in a couple of these games and get a little bit better read. Um, but I do think he's replaceable, and I think that you look at the depth that Colorado has built along the offensive line. And you forget that the Buffs only had their starting line for two games this season, um, week one and the bowl game. The rest of the game, they were patching holes. And so if Will Sherman is the only player gone from the line, you hate to see it. But in theory, you're basically getting everybody who started last year back um, because your sixth lineman did play so much that he was basically a starter. Um, and on top of that, there are young guys who you're excited about. Uh, I mean, we talked a little bit about Carson Lee getting elevated to number two center. He's one to watch next year because before this season, we were talking about him as a potential true freshman who could be playing, um, which is fairly rare for the offensive line, but... You know, I, I haven't talked to him in a while, but last time, not the last time, one of the times I did before last season, we were talking about his weight and how he had settled in at 312 and decided with the coaches that 312 was his weight. Um, but that's because during high school at Cherry Creek, he was like, he, he tried in the 200s, he got all the way up to the 330s and, and just tested a whole bunch of things out and figured out where he was comfortable. You know, it, if somebody is 315, 320 pounds coming out of high school, it's still rare that they have been that big long enough to mess around with the weight and try things and get comfortable. And so he's he's the type of prospect who I could see playing pretty early, um, still technically a true freshman next year, but that's somebody who, if he does play, you're not ex- upset about it and you're honestly pretty excited. Same thing with a whole bunch of those guys. Um, Jake Ray, one of the big name recruits last year who didn't play, I don't think at all as a true freshman. Um, you know, that that's kind of where I'm seeing things um, in terms of like that, that offensive line. Like you don't, you don't like that uh, Will Sherman isn't going to be around most likely, but you do pretty quickly move on to the fact that 
the rest of these guys have looked pretty good. Um, yeah, like I guess Jake Wiley got – do we have like a total number of snaps? Probably close to 20 snaps this year. And then they were rotating a whole bunch of guys in. Frank Phillip obviously played a whole bunch. Colby Purcell. Um, Josh Gines got out there for a stretch. Another guy to watch. Um, he would be a senior next year because of everything else. I think he's technically a junior again. Um, but he played close to 100 snaps, and there were some positives you could take away. Um, and then you keep, just keep going through all these guys. You know, Kari Cooch, Kanan Ray, Casey Roddick, Chance Lytle, um, Valentin Sen. Um, there's so many guys who... If they play like they did last year, the Buffs will have one of the better offensive lines in the Pac-12, um, assuming everybody stays healthy. And if you see a couple of these guys take a step forward, which I think would be a pretty reasonable expectation, then they should be right there up at the very top um, of the Pac-12 again, competing with you know Stanford or... Like, I guess Oregon is still probably up there, like, for next year because they'll have some of that experience back. But, you know, that that's what I see at the very least when I look at the couple of players who we know or don't expect to be back next year. Again, Jason Harris could pull out of the transfer portal. Um, Will Sherman could opt out of the draft. But as it stands now, that's what we're looking like. Um, and we're going to jump in with maybe not this much detail with what's going on with the rest of the Pac-12, um, but... I do think that it's really interesting just to see what's happening with the talent everywhere um, because this year we saw how big of a difference missing some of that talent can make. You know, so many of these top teams, the Oregon's, the USC's, were missing players that were supposed to be some of their best players this season because they just opted out of the season entirely. Um, it's a big part of college sports at this point. Um Real quick, though, before we get into all that, I uh, want to give a quick shout-out to Brackenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Um, they've just, again, make so, such good beer. Um, what did we have yesterday? I had a Broncos Country Hoppy Pale Ale. What's really impressive to me about their beers is that when we're doing the tailgate every Sunday morning, we're, we're still doing that, by the way, um, I think it's Saturday this week before all the playoff games. Um, so stay tuned to that. As always, like 9.30, we have a lot of fun talking about the sports. But, yeah, yesterday um, what, we cracked those beers open before 10 probably, that Broncos Country Hoppy Pale Ale. And it's just incredible that that beer is so drinkable that early in the morning. And it's true of all of them. You know, the, the Strawberry Sky, the Avalanche. And if, honestly, you aren't, like, all that interested in a beer that is drinkable for like before 11 a.m. Um, it's also just like good all the time. And if you want to head out to the uh, ice skating rink and the free tubing hill that they have set up down at the farmhouse in Littleton, you should definitely do that. Um, they still have like the outdoor dining um, with the drinking as well. A great place to be able to take your family during the shutdown because they are like socially distanced and all that stuff, but also it's outside and there are fun things to do. Um, if you don't want to head out there, then you can use the beer locator on the Breckenridge Brewery website. It'll tell you exactly where to pick up whatever beer you want to try. Also, um, DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook app, and it's a great time to be using DraftKings Sportsbook. 
there are so many odds boosts right now. It just seems like there's constantly something. I'm pretty sure like every NBA game for the last week of, or I think it was just all last week, you could get a 20% profit boost, which means that like if it's just a one-to-one, like your standard like minus 110 odds, if you put a $10 bet down instead of getting $9 for your payout, you wind up getting, or for your winnings, you wind up getting 11. And that doesn't sound like a whole lot, but when you're betting a lot and, you know, if you're betting even odds over the long run, you expect yourself to come out like 500. And because there's like that extra like 5% or whatever that the book takes just to make sure they make a profit, being able to remove that and turn 500 from a loss into a, a win just makes it so much easier to make money. And there's just constantly those odds boosts. I think that there was like a 100% odds boost for something else yesterday, which obviously is a huge one. That means you can lose two bets, win one, and come out totally even. Like it's all about just changing those odds a little bit in your favor. And DraftKings makes it, I mean, it, they give you a whole bunch of different ways to do that. Uh, and it's just a lot of fun. And obviously, there's a bunch of sports going on. The NFL playoffs are just about to start off. Um, college basketball. Um, I'm about to really turn my attention to college basketball. I've been able to, like, half pay attention. But with the Buffs doing what the Buffs are doing in football and then also in basketball, I've, I've, I've slacked just a little bit. But I'm really excited to get back into that, especially because... That's just like so often there's just daytime basketball. I think my Montana Grizzlies had like an 8.30 a.m. tip off this morning, and I'm not sure why, um, but I do know that it was nice to be able to just wake up and see that. Um, also, Dalen Coons, he uh, went off against my Grizzlies yesterday. He plays for Northern Colorado now. You guys remember that. Um, so that's another thing. But yeah, DraftKings Sportsbook, so much fun. No better time to be betting which is something we say a lot, but it's just because there's always something to be betting on and it's always just a waste of an opportunity to not be betting on it. Um, yeah. Oh, I should say, um, if you sign up using the promo code DNVR, uh, you can get an awesome sign up bonus. Um, again, that promo code DNVR will get you up to $1,000. That's code DNVR to get a deposit bonus up to $1,000 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Um... Let's see. Do we do transfers? Let's do the draft stuff first, um, and then we'll get into the rest of the transfers if we have time. All right. Um, let's just start at the top. We're going to go school by school here. Um, some I have notes for, some I do not have notes for. Um, and we're going to start one that I do not have much for notes for, and that is Lorenzo Burns. He is going to the draft from Arizona. Cornerback, honestly don't know much about him. Um, the only player to claim for the draft from Arizona. Um, from there, Arizona State is losing Ashari Crosswell, Frank Darby. You know, Frank Darby had a bit of a disappointing season. I mean, everybody at Arizona State did because they didn't play a whole lot of games. Frank didn't seem like, like he definitely, I remember him making a couple of plays on a couple of deep balls, but for the most part, pretty quiet. Didn't have like the big year that I was expecting with him filling in for Brandon Ayuk 
who just left that offense. And there was Nikhil Harry in that role before. Um, really just the lack of games is what killed him. And then Shari Crosswell, an important part of that secondary. You know, when you look at the way Arizona State is built, like it all starts with Jaden Daniels. But then they just have enough in other places around him that you could see how everything could go right, and that could be a really good football team. You know, the the running backs, they always have somebody who looks good there. Even with Eno Benjamin gone, um, I'm pretty sure Gary Brightwell declared for the draft too. Sorry, that's a... I could swear I saw Gary Brightwell declared. Oh, this is from two days ago. So maybe in the last two days he declared. But he's from Arizona as well, the running back. Um but yeah, like with Arizona State, there's just like a, a very good balance of talent throughout um, with some really good players. You know, Jermaine Lole, the defensive lineman, is is spectacular. Um, a bunch of guys in that secondary, um, like Chase Lucas, like Jack Jones, and then Ashari Crosswell, of course, who is the reason we're talking about this team um and so whenever they lose one of those pieces that's gonna be pretty big for a team like arizona state because there weren't a whole lot of um like like real standout players and again it's a short season which makes things tough but no like all-american types or guys like that who really get you excited um outside of like Jaden daniels who i think could get to that point Okay, so I changed my mind about something real quick. We're going to jump back in with Arizona's transfers just because it makes a lot more sense to keep all of this information together. Um, it's honestly pretty crazy to look at the number of transfers because obviously they, they fired the coach. They brought in the, uh, the guy whose name I can never remember, but he was the quarterback's coach with the Patriots. Seems to be putting together a pretty nice staff, but... Um, you know, Grant Gannell, the quarterback, uh, who I was really high on. Um, one of the good young Pac-12 quarterbacks that seems to always transfer out. But but Grant Gannell, he's headed to Memphis. That's by far the biggest loss to probably anybody in the conference. Um, but then, I mean, it's just kind of crazy looking at They have currently four receivers in the transfer portal. They lost Brendan Schooler to Texas already. You'll remember seeing him, the receiver for Texas, in the bowl game. He made a couple plays. Um, Jamari Williams, an offensive lineman in the portal. Um, just a defensive back in the portal, a whole bunch, and there's probably even more on the way. Um, so that's what's going on there. It's going to be a setback. Arizona's looking like the worst team in the conference. Like, I don't even know what the strength is at this point. We'll see what it looks like heading into next season, but as of right now, not not great. Then for Arizona State, Demetrius Flowers in the transfer portal. Um, the running back. A um, couple of receivers. No, like, big names that I'm seeing, though. Um so that's Arizona. That's Arizona State. We're going to move along to um, oh, Cal. Uh, Cam Bynum, the cornerback there, he almost opted out from this season. Um, but uh, the key piece of that California defense, probably the best player, um, a very good cornerback, a very good pro prospect just because of the way he plays and the build, all that kind of stuff. Um a big loss for a team that really can't afford more losses to its defense, if that's what it's trying to build a name off of. Um, and then they've also lost a Jake Curhan, um, interior offensive lineman. 
Um, again, I don't really know much about him. Doesn't sound good to lose him though. Uh, he was the only, or, or sorry, he was the he was honorable mention All Pac-12. Cam Bynum was the only Cal player to make first team All Pac-12. Uh, they only had one second teamer, and uh, that was Cameron Good, the senior linebacker. I'm not sure if he's going to be back. I mean, we haven't heard that he won't be back. I guess, um, but kind of also the only other real good player there. Um, let's move along. We already talked about Will Sherman. So on to Oregon. It's crazy. These are all like alphabetical. Pac-12 is full of like, I guess, Washington, Washington State, Utah, USC, UCLA, all like late in the alphabet. Stanford, Oregon, Oregon State. That's kind of crazy. But uh, Oregon, they've got a bunch of guys going to the draft. Uh, Brady Breeze, the safety. Javon Holland, the safety. Thomas Graham, the cornerback. Jordan Scott, um, defensive lineman. Penny Sewell. Out of that group, I'm pretty sure that only Jordan Scott played this season. And so while these look like big losses for Oregon, I mean, they they are. But they're basically like losses that Oregon's already gone through. You know, like because they didn't play this season. And and if they had played this season, I think that Oregon deserves to be in the Pac-12 title. Like they would have won enough games to be the number one in the North. And I think that they probably could have given Iowa State a run for its money. In fact, I actually think that they might have even gotten into a better bowl game. Who knows? That might have been a college football playoff team. Probably not with those quarterbacks, now that I think of it. That was a dumb thing to say. Um, But yeah, they basically lost this entire secondary already. Um, So this isn't like huge news. But it's just crazy, again, to think about what Oregon could have had this season if those guys would have played. Um, In terms of transfers um my computer's really slow because i'm having it do a whole bunch of different things right now oh no and i clicked on colorado okay there oregon um i should say mario cristobal just signed that i think it was was a six-year extension i think he might be uh, in eugene through 2026 now um i'm not sure that i've seen enough to like make that decision for myself if I'm Oregon's AD. Um, but it does show you the the feelings they have toward him right now. Um, only player in the transfer portal as of right now is Daywood Davis, the receiver. Not a name I recognize. Uh, so not too worried about that for the Ducks. Uh, Oregon State, I'm pretty sure they actually have a weird number of... Yeah, oh, of course. They have Jamar Jefferson. He's declared for the draft. The running back, Hamilcar Rashad, um, the edge rusher who's declared for the draft. And then Nashawn Wright, the cornerback. Um, Nashawn Wright, he was kind of one of the breakout players. I wonder where they put him on the all-pack 12 teams. Um, they didn't put him on. Some of... I mean, I'm not going to lie. These all-pack 12 teams... There was a there was a lack of like flexibility for some new players. Um, but I th- I thought Nishan Wright had a decent year. But this really is about Hamilcar, Rashad, and uh, Jamar Jefferson should b- both be first team All Pac twelve. Um, no Rashad. I guess Hamilcar Rashad. He he did miss some time this season. But I mean, those two are the identity for Oregon State. I mean, the, the, Jamar Jefferson won them games this year. Um, big 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 losses. Um, still like like the way that Oregon State is trending Jonathan Smith you know there might be something there um big losses very big losses and big questions about what that team becomes you know a lot more put on Gebbia Tristan Gebbia the quarterback shoulders next year and maybe he's ready maybe he's not um 
just not a whole lot of wiggle room without having Jamar Jefferson who can just buoy your entire offense for you. Um, and then the transfer portal, again, this is just so slow. Um, it's loading. It's loading. It's loading. Okay, there we go. Jackson, Chris, Nick Moore, two quarterbacks transferring out. No big deal there. Um, Mason Moran, the DB, I don't know who he is. So not big losses in the portal, um, despite the big losses in uh, the uh, draft. Like people declaring for the draft. There we go. Um, Stanford, Paulson Adebo, uh, Malik Antoine, two very important players in the secondary for them. Um, Drew Dahlman, the center. Walker Little, the left tackle. Foster Sorrell, the right tackle. Um, Davis Mills, the quarterback. Semi Fioco, the receiver. I mean, this is this is what looks really bad for Stanford. You know, they have had like a couple of down years, and this year they really pulled themselves together late. But this is a whole lot of talent to lose. And again, like Walker Little didn't play this year. Paulson Adebo, I don't think he played at all this year. Um, so they have gone through some of them. Malik Antoine, I don't know much about him. Um, I would guess he played this year, though. Um, just because he doesn't seem... I feel like I would have known the name if he would have been the type who could opt out before this season for the draft. Um, not showing up on the all Pack 12 lists. So maybe he, no, there he is, honorable mention. Um, so yeah, like these are very big losses. And you look at Stanford, and that's a program that consistently churns out um, offensive line talent. But at the same time, like even though they probably have some very good prospects waiting for opportunities, losing Walker Little, Drew Dahlman, and Foster Sorrell, I mean, th those are three very, very good offensive linemen. And... Honestly, it makes you wonder why that running game didn't work out just a little bit better for them. And then in terms of transfers, like they have a safety Stewart head in the transfer portal. That should be no big deal. But, I mean, what are what are they now? Without Semi Fioco and Davis Mills, um, that's your entire passing game. Uh, I mean, the tight ends deserve some credit. But then you're, you're mostly your running bit game with the offensive line, a couple of DBs. Like, these are some big losses. Um, UCLA. Losing Demetric Felton, Oso Digazua. Um, yeah, I mean, those are the two best players. Demetric Felton's going to be interesting to watch in the draft just because he is a very modern running back type. And, like, he was productive at UCLA, and we've talked all season about how maybe the Buffs' biggest accomplishment was holding him down in week one. But as an NFL prospect, like, his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield on top of running the ball, like, there's just a whole, whole lot to like right there. Oso Digazua, big disruptive defensive lineman. Um, that's a big loss as well. I'm not. I'm not sure what to expect from UCLA now with DTR maybe going into his last year. Who knows with how weird everything is now because of the rule changes. But um, he's going to have a lot more pressure on his shoulders to make some plays. Um, and I, I think he's probably capable. I don't expect him to do it. Um, they also did get Ethan Garbers from Washington. Maybe something to watch there. Um, and they're losing Jamon LeClendon. He's in the transfer portal, the running back. One less option to replace um, uh, Demetric Felton. I I don't know. Like, the thing is, like, this UCLA team, it's not like there was a whole lot of talent. Demetric Felton 
a lot like Jamar Jefferson, honestly, was that entire offense. And the more that I think about it, the more I kind of like him as a draft prospect for that reason. Um, it's kind of like, you know, Zach Moss. He was so much of that Utah offense, and you see him have some success at the next level. Um, Josh Kelly, same thing with UCLA. He really was that entire offense. LaVisca, I mean, LaVisca came out with a very good rookie year. Um, yesterday helped with the two touchdowns and all that stuff. But, but yeah, I, I do think that those sorts of guys typically do well, and I think that that's going to help Demetric Felton as things go forward. does make you wonder what's going to happen with UCLA. Because, um, again, just not, not a lot of talent that stands out. Like Greg Dulcich, the tight end. Um, I, don't, I don't know what you like about that team at this point unless DTR does something crazy. USC. Um, big losses for USC. Um, Elijah Griffin, the cornerback, um, very important part of that secondary. The other two important parts, uh, Talano Ufanga, the conference defensive player of the year, Isaiah Polamau, um, the other safety who is also very good. They are all gone. Um, so is J. Tufele, who opted out before the season. Marlon Tuipulotu is also gone from the defensive line. That's huge losses for a USC team that's already like underperforming. I don't know what to make of it. Offensively, Elijah Vera Tucker, the left tackle who could play all sorts of positions, he's out. Amonra St. Brown is gone. Honestly, like the offensive losses don't scare me too much just because it's an air raid offense. Losing an offensive lineman doesn't scare you I guess and then Amon or St. Brown they just have so many options behind him really shouldn't be that big of a loss um, and then you look at the defense and you say wow they're going to have a whole lot of new faces just all over the place especially in that secondary and it feels to me like this is going to be a USC team that struggles early on gives up a whole bunch of big plays and then probably pulls things together late and makes like a late run that means who knows maybe like Colorado's looking good say it's a five and one start to conference play. Then they go to USC and USC beats them. And then all of a sudden USC already has like two losses. CU gets their second loss and you wind up in this situation. The PAC 12 seems to always be in where like the top of both divisions is just like seven and two, six and three. And you're like, well, this isn't going to get it done. Um, and I think that's going to be USC's role next year is kind of pulling things together late. Um, cleaning up the defense. Um, but that's that's at least what I see. And then the transfer portal, they also lose um, a, a really talented linebacker in Palei Gauteote, uh, the, the five-star. I think, was he a freshman this year? He hadn't been there very long. I think his little brother was committed too. Um, no, little brother just maybe change his commitment to Michigan State. Um, the point is, Paliagao Teote is a good linebacker who is going to need to be replaced on top of everything else that's going on there. Um, also, uh, the running back, Marquise Stepp, he was rotating in. Maybe he wants a bigger role. I'm not really sure, but that's something to pay attention to as well. Um, next up is Utah. Devin Lloyd, the linebacker, is... Uh, headed to the NFL makes a lot of sense. Um, one of the very best linebackers in the Pac-12, somebody who has some like fairly modern type linebacker skills, ability to cover that sort of thing, should still have Nephi Sewell um, playing linebacker in the other spot. So it's not like there's a 
problem there. And then in terms of transfers, they've got a lot of guys in the portal. It doesn't seem like there are a lot of like big name guys. Um, you know, it, worth noting that Ty Jordan, the breakout freshman running back, um, died on Christmas. Um, and so that leaves a hole there. They actually had three running backs in the transfer portal, probably because they didn't think uh, they had much of a shot at a starting job with Jordan there. We'll see what happens with that spot, but that is a huge loss for sure. Also, Jake Bentley is transferring out, um, which who knows what that's going to look like. Um, ben Lennon, Bronson Boyd, Sion Lund, uh, Peter Tonga, Mufi Hunt, like so many guys, um, but not many of them who are all that big in names. Oh, also Charlie Brewer is headed there. That's big news as well. He was one of my favorite quarterbacks coming into this year, like like kind of a sleeper type from Baylor. I, I thought that he looked re- pretty good, at least, last year at Baylor and thought he was going to take a step forward. He didn't. Now he's heading to Utah. We'll uh, see what happens there. But, again, maybe like a sneaky breakout option. Um, and then six guys from Washington headed to the NFL. Elijah Molden, Levi Onwuzurike, Kate Otten, Keith Taylor, Kevin Thompson, Joe Tryon. I don't think Tryon or Onwuzurike played this season. I also I think Keith Taylor. I can't remember if he played. But um yeah, it, it's it's a bunch of guys. Elijah Molden, Levi Onwuzurike. I mean honestly, Joe Tryon too, like very important parts of that defense. So just some turnover there. Kate Otten, the tight end, also very talented. So I'm not really sure what we will expect um, from that Washington team, especially Jimmy Lake's second year. Like, there should be some progression. They lose some talent. Um, I don't know. Plus, like, Oregon being better should put them in a bit tougher spot. Um, I think that that's all the big stuff. Washington State didn't have any uh, guys going to the NFL. Um, but I feel like this was a good way to spend 45 minutes just kind of like running through the roster changes, both with Colorado and with the Pac-12. Now that we have all this down, I think we can kind of just like cover the bits and pieces that come up from here kind of quickly, um, assuming nothing crazy happens. Um, again, and for the buffs, you, you might expect to see a couple more guys enter the transfer portal, um, particularly running backs, receivers, um, Maybe a defensive lineman, but I don't really think so. Um, part of that probably depends on whether Mustafa Johnson winds up declaring for the draft. Um, but that's uh, that's what we're looking at. That's what's changed about the Pac-12 since we last saw football be played. Um, and we're going to stay tuned to this stuff going forward. Uh, let's see. So the Buffs play a basketball game on Wednesday. I think we'll have Ben on tomorrow to talk some hoops, so be ready for that. Um, then get into some football again on Wednesday, maybe kind of play it by ear for this like transition period. Um, and just kind of start getting deeper and deeper into this basketball season time for March. Um, kind of a weird time not having buffs football. Um, but here we are. It's going to be fun to watch this basketball team ranked 14th in net. We should say, um, can't leave without bringing that up. Kind of a, a surprise to me that in the initial net rankings, that's like the advanced, like, I think they used to have RPI and now it's net, which just weights some things differently. But basically it's like, how good were your wins? How bad were your losses? Combine them all together. And uh, in the entire country, Colorado 14th, um, they've played some good teams and they've played well against some good teams. 
something to pay attention to for sure. It's exciting, and uh, we'll be back talking some hoops tomorrow, and I will see you then. I think they like my Colorado swag, cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act, and when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad, holly get a bus with my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, might not swear, I think they like my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, Patiently awaiting When I hit the field It's so hard to behave I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd Do the wave Look into my eyes I can tell that you afraid Cause you know we finna hit ya Hit ya Hit ya You on your own now Why you watching the official You just better hope you make it to the next whistle And we ain't playing with you You can get it anytime It started at the scrimmage We gon' win it at the line My Colorado swag in the middle